Well, I'm excited. It's always just such a privilege to get to do this, and I'm just so thankful for Pastor Mo and Pastor Nikki who give me these opportunities to share with you. And it's just a blessing, and I don't take it lightly, so I'm, I'm thankful. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, let the spirit of wisdom and revelation come and touch us this morning, the knowledge of him. Oh, that I may know him. Oh, that I may know him. Lord, we want to know Jesus. The Holy Spirit, reveal him to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like Pastor Mo said, we're starting a new, servant, a new series rather called Grow. And if I was a good preacher, I'd tell you to turn to your neighbor and say, Grow. <laughs> we're starting the series and our theme verse is going to be in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. So you can go ahead and turn there. And growth is something that we all understand is a part of our lives. Regardless of your sphere of influence, your, uh, your job, your family situation, wherever you are, we're all put in a position to grow. Some people are more intentional in that and they really you know, give themselves to that and they, they, they live disciplined lives and they try to grow. Some people... They, they just kind of coast and they, they sort of think that growth happens by accident. You know, there's some of us that are really passionate about it and some of us that, that maybe don't think about it that much, but all of us are in a position, a position to grow. And the fact is, is that today, no matter where you are, you're either getting better or you're getting worse, but we never stay the same. Regardless of whether that's your job or a skill set that you're trying to develop or even spiritually in your life with God, you're, you're getting closer to God or you're getting further away, but you're not staying the same. We, we don't live lives that, that work that way. Our lives are dynamic. There's always changing circumstances. There's differences that we face. So we're always in a position of, of some kind of movement. And, and we have to decide which way we're going to go. And the Bible has so much to say about this. But we'll start with this verse in 2 Peter 3.18. It says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And, and this is a familiar phrase. I mean, we, we could look at a number of different verses that would say, Grow in the knowledge of God. Grow in the grace of God. Whatever the, the context may be. It's a familiar theme. Now, today's going to be a little bit different for me. Typically, the way, the way I like to do this is I like to come with a whole bunch of Bible verses. I like to read them, kind of tell you what I think they say, and then pack up all my things and go to lunch. <laughs> Today, I feel is a little different. I'm still going to do some of that, but I really feel almost like a prophetic thing on me this morning that, that some of you are in a position in life where I think this will help you. Like I said, we're all in a place where we're trying to grow, but I think there's so many people in our church family, even people that will listen to this and watch this and everything, you're in this transition period. You're, you're trying to, to go somewhere. You're trying to change some things, and you're frustrated because it's frustrating. I don't want to let you off the hook. It just is. It's frustrating. When you're trying to change something in your life, it's challenging. Otherwise, you wouldn't need me up here telling you to change things and to, to try to get you to grow because you'd just be doing it. But it takes work. It takes diligence. And that's true in every area of our lives. So today, 
I just want to remind you of some things that you probably already know. I'm, I'm learning with myself, and I'm sure for many of us here it's the same. We need to be reminded more than we need to be instructed. Let me say that again. We need to be reminded more than we need to be instructed. So you don't necessarily need me to come up here and tell you, you know what to do. This has been a, a real theme uh, for me lately when I'm talking to people. At the end of the day, you know what to do, right? If you want to if you wanna be better with your finances, um, you, you know, it'll help. But you don't need Dave Ramsey to help improve your finances. Like we all know you need to spend less than you make. You need to save some money. You need to give some money. You might want to invest some money. Like you don't need an expert to tell you that. Now, they'll help, and they'll help you get that extra 10%, but at the end of the day, you don't need an expert to tell you how to change. If you want to lose weight today, you don't need a personal trainer to get you started. You know you need to burn more calories than you can, can, can consume. Like These things are so simple. We know what to do. If you want to get closer to God, you, you know you, you should be connected to a church family. You should probably read your Bible occasionally. Maybe you have a personal time of prayer. Like You don't need me to tell you all these things. What we need to be is reminded of the path that we need to be on. And I hope I can stir that in you today. So these are definitely things that you already know. Now let's say this. Let's just start here. Unless you're here because your parents made you come this morning... There's something in you that wants to grow, right? Like you came here on purpose. You woke up early this morning, you got in your car and you drove here because you wanted to grow in your spiritual life. You wanted to find a place that could cultivate vessels, allow you to encounter God and go out and make a difference, right? You, you like how I did that? That was pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs> you, you, wanted to, you wanted to grow. So it's already in you. There's a desire for you to grow. Now, like I said, we're all, we're all in a process. Every single one of us, regardless of where you are, you may not even realize it yet. You may not consciously be aware of it, but you're in a process. God's got you on this journey. You're where you're supposed to be for a reason. And God is pulling strings behind the scenes that you don't even know about. And like I said, you may not be aware of it, but you're in a process of God refining you changing you, molding you. And he's trying to create you into the person that he's called you to be. Now, some of that I think is going to happen whether you like it or not. But at the end of the day, if we want to come into the fullness of who God has called us to be, we need to participate. We need to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit as he begins to, to change us. Now, when I began to think of this, and, and Pastor Mo and I met, and he said, I'm thinking about the series about growth, there's a number of different things that started to pop in my head because many of you know I am super passionate about personal growth. I, I like, I, I'm constantly reading or studying or researching something, uh, you know, listening to somebody. Uh, you know, I, I like personal finance. I like personal fitness. I, I, I just have weird hobbies. <laughs> I just... I, I enjoy these things, even with some of the men that are here. We, we've been going through some of this, and I, I have a whole teaching that I share with them. Hey, set goals. Have a vision for your life. This is how you begin to achieve certain things in your life, and we can get super practical. And I thought about sharing that with you this morning, and I can share that maybe another time. Or if you're interested, come see me after service, and we can talk about that. We can go get coffee or whatever sometime. 
And then there's other people in this church. Like, if you want to grow, I recommend the Growability Podcast. <laughs> Shameless plug. You didn't pay me to say that. You know, there's great resources out there. We, you, can, you can find areas. If you've got the thing that you know, and you know the thing that you need to grow in, you can find it. And that's what I mean. You don't need me this morning to tell you how to do that. But what I do want to show you is there's some things in Scripture that we need to learn. Because I can come and give you the 12 steps to do whatever you want to do. You know, we, we could look up, you know, you name your thing, and we could give you the, the checklist. But I want to tell you, if it was that easy, you would have already done it. There's some things that we go through that's beyond a checklist. It's beyond a to-do list. It's beyond uh, a self-help book. There's some spiritual kingdom principles that are going on behind the scenes that if you don't realize and submit to them, you'll actually fight against what God's trying to do. Here's what I mean by that. Think of, think of your favorite heroes in the Bible. All of them went through a process. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Abraham. And I've heard it said like this, you know, Abraham never owned an acre in the promised land. Yet it was promised to him, I'll give you this land and your descendants will dwell here. And yet he never, he never stepped foot in it. Many of you have promises right now that you believe God's leading you to. You've got dreams, you've got things that you're trying to do and you're frustrated because you're saying, well, it's not happening. Nothing's happening. I'm not seeing any fruit of what God's telling me to do. He's, he's spoken this word to me. He, he's asked me to do these things. I've stepped out in faith and I've started this business. I've stepped out in faith and I, I've decided to, to make these changes. I've stepped out in faith and tried to, to do you know, whatever it is that you're doing. And you're frustrated because nothing is happening. And it happened to everybody in the Bible. David, you're going to be king of Israel. Awesome. Now go back into the pasture and take care of the sheep. I mean, seriously, the prophet, everybody stops what they're doing. They just watched him robe David and pour oil over him. And then they literally just go, okay, it'd be the equivalent of just saying, okay, well, yep, awesome. You're going to be the king of a nation. Now go mow the lawn. Doesn't make any sense at all. Um, Joseph, your brothers are going to bow before you. You're going to rule this land. But then there's going to be a whole lot of other stuff between that I'm not going to tell you about yet. And we have the whole story, but you can imagine the pain and the frustration in his life as he goes through a process. And a lot of you are in that process. You're, you're stuck somewhere in between point A and point B, and you have no idea what's going on because God said something, and it looks like nothing that he said is coming to pass. And I want to encourage you this morning. You have no idea what's happening in the background. You have no idea the wisdom of God that puts you there because he's forming you and molding you and trying to create something so significant on the inside of you and you're fighting it because you think that there's so, these resistance is, is you know, not of God. Because you think, and I think, that when God calls us to do something, it's just going to happen and it's just going to be easy. And it's just not that way. Now, I think of um, just so many different things in the kingdom. And there's a couple of things that really cause this frustration. Number one, most of our growth is completely unseen. It's happening and you don't even notice it. 
Nobody else notices it. You know, you, you know some of the things that you're doing, but there seems to be no fruit. You know, again, I'll use an easy one. If you lost 40 pounds and came in here, we would all notice it. There would be a, a, a sense of gratification, you know. But if you spent the last several months really trying to engage with God and do the things God's told you to, there's a chance that we may not be able to physically see the transformation that's happened in you. It's completely unseen. There's, there's things going on behind that, you know, your life is hidden with Christ in God. And, and again, this process of, yeah, Moses is going to be the, you know, the leader that's going to bring us out of this place. He knows this from an early age. He's already, we see in the beginning, even as an infant, God has got his hand on him. But you're also going to spend a majority of your life in the desert. No one's going to know who you are. And then when they do know who you are, they're going to be completely confused by who you are. It doesn't make sense, right? There, there's so much going on in their lives that doesn't show the fruit of what God's actually doing. And then when we see the whole picture, we begin to see that God was actually working through all of it. And many of us could share testimonies right now, even from our own lives, where you've gone, it didn't make sense, but now that I'm looking back, you know, hindsight's 2020. I see what God was doing the whole time. And the, 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 the thing is, is that we have such a small picture of our lives. And you are evaluating what God is doing in your life probably within a matter of weeks. You're looking at how you've done in the past couple of days. You're thinking next week. Like, I don't even remember really what I ate for breakfast a few days ago, right? God sees the whole picture and he sees the entire storyline. He sees the entire, you know, life before. He sees your entire future even into eternity. And he knows exactly what he's doing. And you and I in the middle of our process can lift our hands and say, I trust you. Because you're good. You're trustworthy. And I know that the things that you have in store for me, they're all working together for good. Right? So but when we get in the middle of the process... We can fake it and say, no, I trust God, but let's be real. There's this moment where you have to make a decision. I don't know if I trust him in this process because it's painful, because it's dark, because it's lonely, because I'm not seeing the things that God told me to do. And then we change. We try to change course and we try to make it our own way. And we end up producing a whole lot of Ishmael's when God has an Isaac saved for us. Abraham gets the promise and he can't wait he can't he can't endure what i've called before divine delay so he tries to make it happen himself has anybody ever been there right you start doing the things that you think you need to do and god's saying no you're fighting against what i'm trying to do in your life and that's what happens is we start to you know see this thing that's going on in our lives and we want to try to make it happen i want to try to make myself get to this destination and god's saying no just wait embrace the delay learn to find me in the waiting learn to find me during that process and i promise you i have it under control many of you are in the middle of that right now you're confused you're frustrated. You don't know what God's doing. You're trying to grow. You're trying to do the things that God's calling you to do. And you're finding yourself frustrated because there's no end in sight. But God has an Isaac restore, or an Isaac set aside for you on the other side of that delay. I think of uh, Jacob. Jacob, you know, he gets the word, that's your wife. Go marry Rachel. 
And there's this season of restriction where he knows this is what God's called me to, but he says you can't have it yet. A lot of times we want God to give us things. And I like to to picture it as God puts some things in like a trust fund for us. And he says, I need you to reach a certain level of maturity because in mercy, we've all heard this phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle. And that works both ways in that I want him to give me the good stuff. Whatever my version of the good stuff is, I want it. And he says, you're not ready for it. You can't handle the level of goodness that I'm about to pour out on you. I need you to create an infrastructure on the inside of who you are so that you can then handle the thing that I want to bless you with. You know, it's, it's the lottery effect. You know, somebody wins the lottery and their life is completely a wreck because they weren't even able to handle what little money they did have. And it doesn't translate where suddenly when you have more money, you now know how to handle it. The same habits that they had before, it, it took them into that next season and it destroys them, right? And God says in mercy, I will restrict you. I'll restrict you from getting what I have in store for you until you get to a point where I know I can entrust you with it. So Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, these are all scenarios that we see where these these guys are going through a process. God has a promise for them. God has a place that he wants to bring them. God wants to grow them into something. But most of their growth is unseen in a hidden season in the wilderness. So it's unseen. That's the number one reason why it's frustrating. And number two reason why it's frustrating in our growth is because it takes way longer than any of us believe it should. We've become so accustomed to our society of being able to have instant access to everything that we would need. Anything you want right now, you can get so fast. You know, between fast food to Amazon to you name it. We've got all of these things that we can just get instant access to. We're not used to waiting on something. We, we have this plague in our generation of instant gratification. We don't know how to wait it out to receive what God wants to give us. And a lot of times when we're trying to grow, this is the thing that challenges us is I want to grow and I want to wake up next week a completely different person. And God says, it doesn't work that way. I'm taking Israel through a 40-year process to get them ready for their promised land. Abraham, I'm going to give you this land, but it's going to be a long time. Jacob, you're going to have Rachel, but it's going to take a long time. You see that God God rarely does things in a hurry. Sure, there are examples of urgency and things in Scripture, but rarely do you find God doing things in a hurry. He takes his time. He takes us through the process. And here's why. Because God is way more interested in your heart being changed in the process than he ever is just giving you the promise. He would rather have Moses get to the point where he says, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't even want it. And most of us are not there. Most of us want so badly that thing that God's told you that we will absolutely betray our own hearts to get to it. And he says, I won't let you do that. I'd rather have you. So it's slow. It's unseen. And lastly, most of the time, not always, but most of the time, when we make a decision to grow, it gets harder way before it gets easier. 
right? It gets way worse before it gets better. And, and here, here's the picture I have. Brianna and I were talking about this on the way this morning. I grew up next to a creek. And I used to play in this thing all the time. And what was interesting is, is you would stand there and we would stand on a rock next to it and we would look and we'd be able to see everything that was going on. The water was super clear. You could see different fish and different things going on. But as soon as we stepped in, we stirred up a bunch of mud. And now you can't see anything. A lot of times God brings you kind of to the bank of the next season that he wants to bring you in. And you look and you go, oh, it looks, so, it looks so clear. Like, I know what God has called me to do. I know I need to do X, Y, and Z. And again, this could be a number of different applications. Maybe you're starting a business. You're changing jobs. Some of you have, have changed churches. Um, you know, whatever it may be. We've got so many people here. Some, some people that are, uh, some of our younger people that are graduating and trying to choose where they're going to go to college. Or maybe you're graduating college. You're trying to figure out where you're going to work. We're in transition. And for many of us, it's clear. I see what God's calling me to. I see what God wants me to do. And I stand here and it seems so clear. And as soon as I take my first step, suddenly everything gets completely disoriented. And now I don't know which way I'm going right? Because we step in and we begin to stir something up. This happens like, this happens all the time when, you know, you decide, I'm really going to commit to the secret place. I'm really going to develop a prayer life. I'm really going to do something with God. And then you wake up Monday morning, you go into wherever your secret place is and you start to pray and suddenly all this stuff just comes up. You realize you're the most impatient, angry person ever. And you're like, I don't even know who this is. Things that I've not struggled with in years start coming up just because I committed to pray. And it's because you stepped in that mud that had become dormant and you stirred all this up and suddenly all of it's floating around and you're trying to figure out how to deal with it all. And the reason I really think that this happens is because God says, I'm not going to allow you to take these things, even though they're hidden, even though no one else knows, even though no one else understands, I see the hidden places of your heart and I am not going to allow you to take that thing that's still there into this next season that I have for you. It won't survive. And he will restrict, he will delay, he will even complicate things to the point where you are going to be forced to deal with that thing that's hidden in your heart before he allows you to go any further. And he will stir that water up and he'll stir that up in your face. And I'm serious, he will frustrate you to no end because he says, I love you too much to let you deal with this. We have parents in the room. You know, you love your kids and you see these things that they do and it frustrates you. And it's kind of like, man, I've got I've to discipline them again. We've got to deal with this again. And it feels like there are times where all you're doing is correcting them. And that's so frustrating, but you have to stop and say, but I love you too much. And it may not seem like I love you, and you're mad at me, and you don't like these things that I'm telling you, but I am not going to relent because I love you too much to let you continue in this behavior. And God disciplines the ones that he loves, and God will give you something. He will give you that vision. He will tell you to go to that promise. You'll step in that water, and he says, but I'm going to force you to deal with some of the things that are going on in your heart. Because it's more important to me that you stay right where you are and I get your heart than for you to step into some of these new things that you're dreaming about. Because he desires relationship above all things else. And here's, here's something that's fascinating to me. Jesus himself went through a process of growth. Can you imagine? 
the spotless, flawless Lamb of God himself submits himself to the same process that you and I have to go through. Look at Luke 2.52. It says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This is at the very early stages of his life. Jesus is around 12 years old. And this is, you're, you're probably familiar with the story where um, Mary and Joseph are, are walking and then they look around and go, where's Jesus? And they have to go back and they find him in the temple. And he's 12 in the temple asking questions, which we, we could take that rabbit trail for the rest of the morning, but I'm going to resist. It's fascinating. Jesus, as a young boy, and it says, and then he began to grow in stature and in favor with God and man. And then we know virtually nothing about the rest of his life until he's about 30 when he comes. And in the next chapter, he's baptized by John the Baptist and he starts his ministry and so on. But I want to I give you some liberty to have some imagination right now. What was his life like as a child? And I want to remind you a principle that we've talked about many times here. Jesus was a man fully just like you and I are. He was a human being. Hebrews says he was subjected to every form of temptation and struggle that you and I are. Another version Hebrews would say he actually learned obedience. Think about this. This is Jesus learning things, which makes no sense. <laughs> Pre-existent Jesus Christ learning things. I don't know how it works. I'm not going to try to explain how it works, but here's what I know. Jesus came into the earth and was submitted to the same process of development that you and I are. That means, I think, and this is an opinion, so don't freak out on me. I think Jesus had to learn a lot of the stuff that he knew just like you and I do. I think there was a time when Jesus was seven or eight and his dad is actually teaching him how to be a carpenter. I don't think that he just goes, well, yeah, I know how to do that. I made the wood. Maybe he did, I don't know, but just let's have some imagination. What's it like when, when Joseph is putting his hand on his son's shoulder and saying, no, you saw this way to create this piece of wood, and this is how I make a cabinet, and this is how I make a table, and this is how I you know, balance the checkbook at the end so that our, you know, our balance is good. You know, he, how, how does he show him how to do this? Uh, imagine Mary, his mother, coming and teaching him you know, how to do the dishes. And then moms, let's imagine the frustration of, you know, I have a three-year-old that is starting to develop some of her own uh, attitudes. She, know, she knows how to do a lot of things that doesn't need my help. And I let her help, even though it makes it way worse on me. But we're trying to let her learn how to help, right? Uh, parents know that this is like, imagine Mary when Jesus is a know-it-all. And she knows he actually is. What's, what's Mary supposed to do? I heard a, a preacher say one time, he, he was joking. Can you imagine as Jesus is coming to the realization of all of these things? And all of a sudden he starts screaming, James, 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 I made the heavens. I made that. I did that. I remember now. Can you, I, I, again, I don't know. But it's fun to think about. And then James is like, okay, yeah, whatever. And he's like, no, really, I did. <laughs> Jesus is trying to figure all this stuff out. What I don't understand is a, a 
an assignment as important as Jesus had, why he didn't just show up like the first Adam did as a grown man, fully equipped to do what God was going to call him to do. I don't know why Jesus didn't just kind of come wandering out of the desert and we just start in Luke 3 or, you know, or John 4 or wherever it is where he's tempted in the wilderness and he comes out from his fast and he's ready to start his ministry. I don't really understand why God in wisdom allowed him to go through the process. But nonetheless, I know he had to go through a process. He had to learn who he was in God. He had to learn these things that he's teaching us. He had to begin to develop himself to say, I do nothing unless I hear the Father. There is something in him between around 12 and 30 where Jesus was off alone. We don't know. He's in this nowhere town called Nazareth, and he's learning to hear the voice of his father. And I don't understand. You know, it's okay to question, ask questions. David says, I inquire of the Lord. These are just questions I have. I don't, I don't understand why it's so important what Jesus has to do on the earth, and he, he just has no sense of urgency. He just kind of goes through his life. Like, why, if you are the savior of the world, why would you spend any amount of time ever learning how to be a carpenter? Ser- seriously, think about it. So here's what I, I want to sh- show you, and this is why I'm talking about all this. This is why I'm spending so much time on this. Growth in the kingdom doesn't look like we think it does because you think it means you get bigger and bigger and better and better and more exposure, more promotion, more money, more talent, whatever, and it actually doesn't. That may be part of it. That may be some of our assignment. I don't know. And it's not to say that those things aren't good and godly in, in the right context, but here's what Jesus shows us. And again, Remember, Jesus went through this process. Jesus has a limited amount of time, and he waits until basically the last possible moment to reveal himself of who he is. If it was today, we would be posting on social media. We'd have a marketing campaign. We'd make sure our building was next to the busiest street in town with big, huge signs and exposure so that everybody could hear. We'd be pushing the message out because this is this important, that this is going to save the world. And Jesus goes, no, it's fine. I've got a couple customers to take care of. I've got a couple orders that are late. I'm going to get these out, and then uh, I'm going to go talk to that fisherman over there, and then we're going to go you know, feed some people, and, and then we're going to take the long route to get to certain places instead of going straight there. We're going to take our time because I'm not in a hurry. It doesn't make any sense. Jesus, that is not the way to grow your business. That's not the way to grow your ministry. Right? If we were to consult Jesus, we'd be like, this is not the way to grow. Jesus did not look to increase his ministry. He seemingly looks as if he's trying to reduce it. Jesus gets an entire crowd of people, the biggest crowd that he had to speak to. And then he tries to turn them all away. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. They start to leave. And then he looks at the closest people he has to him, his disciples, and says, well, are you going to leave too? It doesn't make sense. That's not how you grow your ministry. (laughs) Jesus avoided crowds and targeted individuals. Again, not how you grow your ministry. 
Sure, that's part of it, but why would you try to turn away the crowds? When you've got multitudes coming, now it's time to strike while the iron's hot. Now it's trying to make some stuff happen. We've got their attention. We've got numbers. Let's make it happen. And Jesus goes, no, I've got a woman at a well over here. I really need to go talk to her. So you guys can take care of them. I'm going to go get on a boat, and I'm going to go ride to the other side because there's a man that's naked and chained and cutting himself with rocks, and I need to go talk to him. Jesus despises people of influence and esteems the poor. He's got Pharisees, Sadducees, governmental leaders that he's got an audience with. These are people with money, people with influence, and he, he, he basically ignores them. And at best, he ridicules them. And then he finds people with no influence, with, with no money, and those are the people he spends time with. Again, and I'm going to keep saying it, not how you grow. That is not how we increase our ministry, right? That's not how we, like we wouldn't, we would not consult him to do this. In Matthew 7, there's people that come to Jesus and they say, we cast out demons in your name. We perform signs and wonders. We've been healing people, Jesus. And they have this epic resume. We would hire those people. These people are anointed, they're gifted, they're charismatic. People are drawn to them. Let's put them on stage. Let's give them a microphone. And Jesus says, away from me, you have no part in me. Then he goes to Mary of Bethany, who performed no miracles, preached no sermons, did nothing seemingly significant in her entire life that we know of, and yet one act of worship. And he says, her story will be remembered forever. If you tell the gospel, you have to tell her story. It's completely countercultural. It's completely upside down. And that's exactly the point. That's how the kingdom works. Because God in wisdom, far beyond what we can comprehend, instructs us to do things that don't make sense to those around us. Jesus said the meek would inherit the earth. Meanwhile, he rejected the idea of taking military force to establish his kingdom on the earth. If you read it, our temptation is to go, well, of course they were wrong. Jesus was going to do it his way. But if we were in the moment, we're being completely persecuted by an evil Roman empire, and all of a sudden we've got some momentum, now's the time to overthrow this government. And Jesus says it's not the way we're going to do it. We're going to do it by keeping our mouth shut. We're going to turn the other cheek. We're going to be led like lambs to the slaughter. And we're not going to fight back, even though we have every right to do so. We're going to take meekness and humility as our method. We're not doing the military thing. And it made sense for him to do the military thing, right? And, and as I say this, I just want to throw this out there. I don't think I need to say this, but I just want to say this. I have nothing but respect for our, mini- or our military. Love our, love our people that, that serve for us and so thankful for us. So that, that's, not a, that's not me saying that our military is wrong. Hear me when I say that. Jesus would wait until the last possible moment when all of his disciples were going, now, now's the time. You've got to tell them who you are. We, we know who you are. Now let's go tell them. And he would say, no, 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 don't do that. He would heal somebody. Major healings. And then go, don't tell anybody. We would put it, we would put it everywhere we could. They're like, look, look, look what we're doing. Look at this. And I'm not saying that some of that is wrong. I'm not saying every time a church puts something online or you try to promote yourself or your business, that's not wrong. But what I'm saying is Jesus completely took the other direction and said, no, no, don't tell anybody. I don't want anyone to know who I am. 
And it makes no sense. You are the Savior of the world. You're the Son of God, the pre-existent Christ, the express image of the Godhead bodily. The fullness of the Godhead dwells on the inside of you. You should be telling everybody because, Jesus, we only have a little bit of time left, and you've got to do what you were called to do. And does anybody in here feel the pressure? Hey, I've got to do what God's called me to do. I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. God's told me to do this. God, I, I'm, I need to you know, make this move. It's not happening yet. God told me that I would be doing this. I'd have that business. I'd have that ministry, and I'm not doing it yet. What's happening? I'm running out of time. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I have a strategy that you don't know anything about. Just because you're ready to tell people about it, I'm not ready yet. And when I unveil this, it's going to be bigger than you could imagine. It's like the song that we sing. You go before I go. You know before I know. Um, But it's so much better your way. It's so much better your way. Jesus performs miracles and tells people not to tell. Here's another example uh, outside of Jesus' life. In Acts 8, Philip is in the middle of Jerusalem. This is like where everything's happening. I mean, he's in the middle of the action. If you're going to plant a church, plant in the middle of Jerusalem because this is where everybody's at, right? I mean, it'd be like go in the middle of downtown Nashville. That's where all the people are at. Let's do that, right? And then what happens is this crazy weird miracle happens where Philip is transported. But what happens before this is he says, no, leave Jerusalem, go out into the desert, and I want you to talk to one person. All these people, you know, we just had tons of fire come on our head. There's 3,000 people that are going to say the church being added to daily. Things are happening. This is our moment. We've been waiting for this. We're getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. People are getting healed. We're all selling everything. We're laying it at the apostles' feet. We all, we all have everything in common. We're doing the things that God's called us to do. And he goes, yep, that's awesome. I'm going to take a field trip. Um, God told me to leave. I don't know what's going on. And I'm going to go talk to one guy. And in our hearts, we want to say, well, absolutely, we would do that. You know, we, we would go, we would go. You know, Jesus left the 99 and, and goes after the one. And, and, and we, would, we would do it for the one person. And hear me, my heart is, I would want to do that. But what I'm saying is, is in the context of us trying to grow, if we were trying to do that, it would not make sense to, it, it, let's just take it ultra practical. You know, you're going to have the expenses of traveling and doing all these things. Like I, I'm in sales in my job. I literally had this conversation just the other day. We have a potential prospect. We have a meeting scheduled. And I'm going to have to travel and fly somewhere and get hotels. And they're going to have to pay for my meals and do all this. And my boss goes, no, I don't want you to go. I want to find someone closer that can go and have the meeting. Because it's not worth the expense when we don't even know if this customer is going to buy from us. And that's just good business sense. Sometimes it's just not worth the risk. Maybe it's the big enough client. Maybe, yeah, it's worth it then. But for him to just go, yeah, I'm going to leave everything that we've got going on. I know I'm a critical part of this whole church operation, but I'm going to stop that. I'm going to leave, and I'm going to go talk to one person that who knows if he's even going to be there or listen to me. But that's the way the kingdom works. Jesus rebuked a thriving church in Revelation 2. I mean, he starts saying you, you've called people that say they're apostles and they're not. You know, you, you're, you're in the word. You're, you, you know, he's just like going through. He goes, but you've lost your first love. Now, hear me. If you, a lot of us have been in a position where we've visited churches. And 
naturally you kind of go through your list of like things you're looking for, right? Like I want this church to have this. And thankfully, a lot of you have found that in His Holy Hill. And I'm glad you're here. But listen, you go, not, I, I don't know if I've ever gone to a church and said, well, I like their children's ministry. Um, the pastor was great. Worship was good. Um, this was great. This was great. Whatever. Uh, and, but you know what? They just didn't love Jesus that much. We don't have the capacity to even evaluate that. But Jesus goes, listen, from a ministry perspective, you are doing everything right. You're a thriving church. You know, we could go through the metrics of how we would evaluate, you know, whether our church was healthy. And he's going, this is a healthy church. But listen, you, you don't love me the way that you used to. Because my evaluation is different than what yours is. Jesus does not measure growth the way that we do. It's, it's, it's kind of like this. I thought of this example. Let's just say we drop the temperature all the way down to zero. And I handed you an ice cube. I could crank it up to 15. And that's a significant temperature increase, but you'd not see any change in the ice cube. Okay, now we crank it up to 25. Significant. We've gone up 25 degrees. That's a huge swing. The ice cube's not going to change until we hit 32 degrees. So... What I want to challenge you with is a lot of you are sitting at 31 degrees right now. And you're frustrated because you're evaluating yourself by the ice cube. Jesus sees the 31 degrees that you've come and he says, you're one degree off. You're one degree off. You know, what, what's, a, what's the point where it goes to steam? Is it 112? I think it's 112. 212, thank you. Quentin, 212. What can you do with 211 degrees? Nothing. One degree more and you can move a train. A lot of you are one degree short. You, you need one degree of growth to become what God is calling you to. You're one degree away from what God has called you to. But that one degree looks way different than anything that any book is going to tell you to do. That one degree looks different than anything your friends are going to tell you to do. But you've got a word from the Lord that says you need to do this. And it doesn't look the way it's supposed to. And I want to, I want to encourage you. That's exactly how Jesus operated while he was on the earth. He said, I do nothing unless I see the Father do it. And then he did things that completely would... It, we can't wrap our minds around. When you break it down like I just did, you just read through the gospel. It's like, yeah, we're just so familiar with it. But when you start to pay attention, you go, why is he doing it this way? And people are going to start to question, why are you giving this much money? Why, 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 did, why would you leave this job that paid so well and had such good benefits to take this job that had no future? Why, why would you go to that school when you got accepted into this school? Why would you remain friends with this person that can do nothing for you? you know, we, we, could, we could keep going. But God has a plan. And there's something about you finding him in that mystery, you going through that process to trust him, and it takes us into this next step. Now, here's a couple more things that I want to finish on. What's our answer when we're faced with saying that the kingdom doesn't grow the way that we would think it would? Here's the phrase I feel like God gave me. In the kingdom, we don't grow bigger 
or we don't always grow bigger, I should say. In the kingdom, we grow deeper. In the kingdom, we don't always grow bigger. In the kingdom, we grow deeper. Look at Colossians 2. I'm going to read it real quick so you don't have to turn there. But Colossians 2, this is verse 67. I love the New Living Translation. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Watch this. Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Look at the Passion Translation. Colossians 2 verse 6. In the same way you receive Jesus our Lord the Messiah by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further into union with him. Your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you were continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way. For you are established in the faith you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. Look at Ephesians 3, this is 14 through 17. We looked at this during pre-service prayer. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, and you must continue to follow him, let your roots grow down into him. No, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong one. Excuse me. It says that you would be empowered. I keep asking the Lord that you would be empowered to be strengthened with might in the inner man. And then he goes on to say that you then would be rooted and grounded in love. In the kingdom, we don't just grow bigger, we grow deeper. In the kingdom, we don't grow bigger, we grow deeper. What does that look like for us? That means you may get frustrated because, let's just say this, you don't need a prophetic word for me to tell you that our church is growing, right? And you're going to start to see the leadership team do things that don't make sense because you're going to say, well, we're growing. Why don't, why don't we do this? Or you're, you're going to start to feel the temptation to say things like, yeah, 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 I got that. Now what's next? But we don't grow bigger. We're going to grow deeper. We don't move to the next thing. We grow deeper in the one thing. And for our church, that is Jesus. Him we preach. Paul said, I, saved him. I, I, I know nothing save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Oh, that I may know him. I count all things as lost except for the excellencies of knowing him. You're going to start to question because our church is growing. And I believe it's going to continue to grow. But I, I know and I trust our leaders. It's not going to just go to the next thing. And we're not going to just create these new strategies because we're getting bigger. And we're not going to try to twist God's arm and try to manipulate our way into more growth. We're going to go deeper in the revelation of Jesus. We're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. Amen? I want to close with this. I had more, but I think I want to finish with this. Like I said, many of you, as you're trying to grow... You're one degree off. And you're frustrated because you can't see that. And it's challenging and it's confusing and you don't understand. And I want you to see this. Jesus, Abraham, Moses, David, you name it. You go through their stories. For all of them. Their greatest moment of breakthrough or growth or however we want to say it, it came on the other side of their greatest season of obscurity. Their greatest moment of breakthrough, it came right on the other side of their greatest season of obscurity. Moses 
is in the temple or in, or in the palace. He's the adopted son. He's got all the influence in the world. And then he gets cast out. And he's left going, well, wait a minute. I thought I had this word. I thought that this was how it was going to happen. And then he's going to spend all this time in the wilderness. He's going to have this weird um, moment with the Lord behind a bush. You know, he's, he's not, you know no one's going to believe him. But it's at the end of that season that God sends him into his greatest moment of breakthrough, his greatest moment of growth. Jesus, you're going to spend all this time. We don't even know what you were doing. You're going to go into the wilderness. You're going to fast. You're going to get tempted. But on the other side, that's where your ministry is going to be launched. And I'm going to say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And that was going to be the, the breakthrough that launched him into his ministry. David, you're king, but I need you to go back into the wilderness. And I need you to, I need you to tend the sheep. I need you to serve your brothers. I need you to do these things. But it was on the other side of that season. Saul's going to hunt you down. Saul's going to try to rid you of this plan. You're going to be on the run. You're going to be hiding. But on the other side of that is when I'm going to bring you into your greatest moment of breakthrough. For many, that's exactly where you are. You're one degree off. So I want to challenge you this morning, and we're going to pray, and I'm going to close. Don't stop. Don't stop trusting. Don't stop believing. Don't stop doing the things that God is calling you to because you might just be that one degree away from the moment of growth that you've been waiting for. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you are impacted by this message, please consider going and sowing into our ministry at dylantarpley.com slash give.